All right, guys, welcome back. This morning, we're talking about the chain of bitterness. And this is a chain where we don't start with a, you know, raise your hands crowd participation thing, even if it's a digital raise your hands. You know, if you struggled with bitterness, let's see them raise your hands. And I'm sure that in our gathering this morning, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Or maybe we all do, and we realize that it can be something that the enemy can use to hold us back. So let's honor God's word to us as we begin this morning. I want to read a couple of verses together from Ephesians chapter 5. All right, let's do this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. God, we just thank you for who you are, first of all, God. You are a good, good God. Um, We just ask, Lord, that you would soften our hearts, you prepare our uh, spiritual eyes and ears to to hear and to see what you have for us this morning. God, we want to hear from you, a rhema word this morning. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. All right, I want to start with a story. Um, two monks walked into a bar. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's another story. Um, two monks were walking through the country yard, and they were on their way to another village to help bring in the crops. And so as they walked, they spied an elderly lady who was sitting on the edge of a river. And she was upset because the bridge had collapsed and she couldn't get across on her own. And so she was sitting there. She was frustrated. The first monk kindly offered to her, we'll carry you across if you would like. And she said, thank you. And uh, she was very grateful. So the, the two men, they joined hands. They, you know, kind of lift her up between them and carried her across the river. Now, when they got to the other side, they set her down and she went on her way. After they had walked another mile or so, the second monk began to complain. Look at my clothes, he said. They're filthy from carrying that woman across the river, and my back still hurts from lifting her. I can feel it getting stiff. And the first monk kind of just smiled and nodded his head as he heard the second monk talking about this. A few more miles up the road, the second monk griped again. My back is hurting so badly, and it's still because we had to carry that, that lady across the river. I cannot go any further because of the pain. And the first monk, he's looking down at his partner who's now lying on the ground, and he's moaning. And he asked the question, have you wondered why I'm not complaining? And he asked, he said, said, your your back hurts because you are still carrying that lady, but I set her down five miles ago. This is what happens to us when we carry bitterness. We are that second monk who cannot let go, and we hold the pain of bitterness sometimes over our loved one's head like a club. And, and we remind them every once in a while when we want to get the upper hand uh, of, of the burden that we feel like we're still carrying because of something that they might have done years ago. And it's a chain that we can't break. So let's define it a little bit going into the conversation this morning. Bitterness is self-inflicted loathing where psychologically, uh, psychologically, sorry, big words this morning. We're, we're hoping to change our circumstances, our circumstances, by directing anger towards another person. And so it's most seen when we continue to identify and internalize those frustrations and those hangups and those disappointments. And maybe we're bitter at, you know, somebody else's success, uh, bitter at maybe our position, where we're at in life, the things that are going on around us. We're bitter, we're angry, we're mad, along with their cousins, resentment and the grudges that we hold on to. You know, it's something that happened and we didn't get what we deserved. That's the chain of bitterness. So there's plenty of examples in scripture because we're human. And when humans are involved, there's going to be friction. There's going to be tension. There's going to be hurt feelings and there's going to be anger and there's going to be people messing up and we're all human. And so we're going to live in a world and we've, we've got to live in a world learning how to deal with and how to react 
When there's people around us that are frustrated and they have hurt feelings and they're angry and maybe it's us. And so people, you know, who are turning their back on you, people that are making you mad. Scripture is full of examples. Joseph is one of the first ones that I think of. And if you don't know the story of Joseph, you know, he was thrown into a pit by his brothers and he was sold into slavery into uh, Egypt. And there he was separated in a different country from all of his family. So surely he could have been just a little bit better, right? But he saw God use his situation for good. Job, he lost everything. Hannah, she couldn't have a child. Um, She was weeping bitterly. Naomi is a fascinating story, and I just want to read it really quickly as we dive into the topic today. Naomi, you you might know, you might not know, but her story is in Ruth chapter 1. And uh, so she had a husband, and she had two sons, and they all passed away. And uh, so she had lost everything, and this was especially hard in the society where she lived when the men were, you know, considered the the protection and the the provision for families in the culture. So it was her and her two daughter-in-laws. And so one of of her daughter-in-laws, Ruth, went back with her to their hometown. And let's go down to verse 19 and read this together. It says, so the two of them, Naomi and Ruth... They went on until they came to Bethlehem, back to their hometown. And when they came there, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? And listen to what she says. She says to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord brought me back empty. So why call me Naomi? When the Lord has testified against me, her words, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Again, her words. She was so mad. She was disappointed. She was so angry that she actually changed her name. And so what does Mara mean? It means bitter. She wanted to be known not by her old name and her old ways of life. Everything had kind of been flipped upside down for her. So she said, just call me bitter. Everywhere I go, I want you to know that I'm bitter, I'm mad, I'm upset. Things didn't work out for me. And, and I would imagine that there's plenty of us in this gathering that are watching right now that are carrying some heavy circumstances. And yes, something's been wrong. Maybe something's wrong that's happening around you. Something wrong has been done to you. Uh, but you've internalized it in such a way that it's now become a chain. And God wants to set you free. He has the freedom plan for you. He has a, he has a freedom plan for me. He doesn't want us to be held back anymore by the hurts and the frustration of the past. That's what we were talking about last week. We're just going to continue the conversation um, talking about bitterness this week. So God wants us to walk in the newness of life, to walk in victory, and he's got a plan for us. So the question is how? It's a really important question, right? How? There's some small hurts and some big hurts. There's some uh, small hang-ups and there's some big hang-ups. And how are we ever going to walk through and walk in freedom and loose the chains that have been holding us back? So there's another really familiar passage of Scripture that I want us to just spend a little bit of time in this morning. And that's Luke 15. And this is the story of the prodigal son. And so just to catch everybody up here, the prodigal son story is about a younger brother who skipped town and he left his father's house. Um, but it's honestly, it's, it's humans that put the headings in scripture, right? That refer to the story as the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son, whatever it says in your scripture. But when you step back, the story is really more about a picture of a forgiving father. It's, it's, it's the reckless love of a father for both of his sons. And Jesus is telling this story, by the way. And there's a crowd of, of religious elite around as he's telling this story. There are tax collectors and sinners listening in. That's how the people would refer to them um, at this time, the outcasts who shouldn't be there. But Jesus loved for them. He cared for them. And uh, there's the disciples. There's a big crowd. And Jesus is telling this story. So the younger brother had left town and demanded his inheritance. Um, He saw greener pastures, right? The grass is greener on the other side. He thought something outside of his father's house would be what would bring him fulfillment and satisfaction. And some of us can identify with that, right? We're like, man, I can't wait till I can get out of here. And we're bolting. You know, give me what I deserve. I'm going to do my own thing. And what happened to the younger brother? He hit rock bottom. The money ran out. 
The party wasn't as great as it looked. Um, The lies of the world weren't all that satisfying, and he was stuck, and he was miserable, and he was desperate. And with no other options, he decided to go home. And he's like, maybe, just maybe, my father will have me back. I know I could never be his son again. This is what he's thinking in his head, because I embarrassed him. I embarrassed my, my family. I brought shame on his life. He'll never take me back as a son, but maybe, just maybe, he'll let me, you know, watch the livestock or, you know, fix the meals, and I'll be a servant. So when he comes back, to his surprise, he finds a father, a recklessly loving, pursuing, chasing, and awaiting father who, Scripture says, bolted out to him and put his arms around him, put the robe around him, told the servant to kill the fatted calf. We're having a party because my son was dead, but now he's alive. My son was lost, but now he's found. And that's the gospel, right? We, we've all run our own way. We've all done our own thing. But God is chasing after you. And maybe it's even you watching online this morning. He's chasing after you. But then we pick up the story. And let's go to verse 25. It says, Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. And, and, and he heard, and he, and he called one of the servants... And he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf. The biggest one, the one that we've been saving because he has received him back safe and sound. So there's a party, there's music, there's dancing, there's a celebration. The older brother hears it and he's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you're talking, my brother's back, and, and, and he's finally back. I dared to come back, and now he's back, and what, what kind of nerve does he have to step back into this house after all that he has done to my father and my family, all he's done to me, and all he's done for, you know, he's throwing a temper tantrum. He's angry. He's upset. You can, you can feel, you can sense the bitterness, Right? So the older brother is mad that his younger brother is back, and he's mad that there's a party. How could my father be celebrating him? How could my father be doing that? He was angry. And if you and me want to walk in the freedom plan from bitterness that God has for us, first and foremost, we have to realize, we have to put, our play, put ourselves in the place of the older brother. And that we have a chain that's holding us back. Now, you know, I don't know what has potentially happened to you or what's potentially turned you know, our hearts bitter, but God does. And I know in my own life that there's plenty of moments of bitterness, of grudges, of resentment, and things that I don't want to let go of. Things that I want to hold on to. You know, some are, are small and petty, and some are really significant and painful. The older brother... Think about this. He had reasons to be mad, right? He had, he had reasons to be upset, did he not? And, and you, you watching right now, you probably have some reasons, some real reasons to be upset, some real reasons to be mad. You have reasons to hurt. You have reasons to grieve and, and because some really hard things have happened to you. you have, you're in a really tough situation. And the message this morning is not simply to just get over it. The message of God to us is not to just get over it. There's freedom on the table for you and me. So I don't know what, what your pain is, but I know that God's greater than that pain. And it makes some sense that the older brother would be mad, right? He had to sit there. Think about this. He had to sit there and he had to watch his dad every single day stand on the front porch and look out into the distance and, and he saw his father praying and hoping and believing, you know, saying, maybe today's the day that my son is going to come back. Maybe today's the day that I get word that he's alive even. They hadn't, they hadn't seen or heard from him. Maybe today's the day that he's going to realize how much I love him and, and how much we want him back. Maybe today he'll realize that there's a place for him in our family. And the older brother is watching this, and the anger is building up, and it's growing, and it's growing. How dare him? If I ever see my younger brother again, I'm, you better watch out. That it's, you, can sense, you, can, you can feel that in the story, right? And the day came. The day came. So for you and me, what do we have to do? We have to see our chains and see our bitterness 
and ask God to set us free. Most of us, when it comes to our bitterness, you know, we probably think of it's a, a decorative chain. It's kind of a pretty chain. We like to have the chain. It's like a chain that can hold, you know, like this, that I could probably, maybe, I'm not going to try to attempt it this morning, I could probably pull this one apart with my own strength. This is a, a chain that, you know, can hold the weight of a plant that you would put in your house, right? You can kind of see, I can, I can just take my fingers and I can bend these things. I could pull this apart. I just did. And I could rip it apart, um, you know, it doesn't take monster muscles to do that. And, and so we, we think of, 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 you know, this is our chain. This is my chain. We, we see it, you know, and we, some of you are, are hearing this this morning. And, and we think, you know, my bitterness, Sean, uh, we even label it as my own, don't we? It's my, my bitterness. It's my right. It's, it's my coping mechanism even for some of us, right? It's the way that I'm going to, punish whoever did this to me and it's the only way I'm going to get through it's it's not a change it's, it's almost pretty you know if, if you don't know what's what's been done to me right and so we kind of have this picture and idea and yeah I get it I'm not looking over you know what you've experienced but I am saying that at some point as you continue to I I you know, identify it and I internalize it. It doesn't really matter what happened in the past because that person is maybe even way long gone and they're not around or maybe they're doing their own thing now and you're the one that's still stuck with the chain. You're the one that's still stuck with it. So we have to see that we're the older brother. Um, and so I don't have to tell you what you're mad about. That's the easy part about the message today or what you're frustrated about. You know, as soon as I mention the chain of bitterness, you're like, okay, got it. <laughs> I know what that is. But it is helpful if you will identify it as a chain. And, you know, ask your close friends, pray about it, um, process it, and then ask God to set you free. So that's the first step, just to simply identify that we are the older brother and being willing to ask God to set you free. And that if, if this is an issue in our own life, we have a chain. And I'm talking about, you know, a real chain. I don't know if you can kind of feel the weight of this as I lift this one up. This is, this is the weight of a chain, you know, uh, if I put this around my neck for the, for the rest of the time, it, it'll probably start, you know, pulling my neck down because this, is, this thing can pull a truck. This thing can, you know, carry serious poundage. Uh, this one, I'm not going to attempt to break with my hands because I know I can't. Um, and, you know, we have to realize that the chain of bitterness, when it grabs a hold of us, it has some weight to it. Proverbs says that our heart knows its own bitterness. We know what holds us back. We know, and it's dangerous. Um, Joanna Weber is an author, and she was quoted as saying, bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Well, we've got this weight and this chain around us that's pulling us down, but our natural response, for whatever reason, is to hold on to our bitterness, thinking that we're gonna you know, get what is due to us, and we hold on to the chain and we hold on to the lies or, or whatever hurt that we're going to punish whoever did this to us. But when we hold on, it might be easier in some way for us to do that internally when we, when we just kind of do it naturally. But it's way more costly to us. It's, it's going to hurt us and it's going to hold us back and it's going to weigh us down. It's what the enemy is using to rob you, not of your past, but actually of your future. Are you willing to ask God for help in letting it go? That's step one. Now, this isn't a three-step process, but that's the first thing that we really need to kind of look at this morning. We've got to realize that this isn't some just kind of decorative, you know, chain this morning, but bitterness is something that really grabs a hold of us and we, all of a sudden, we're, we're walking around angry. We're saying things maybe on Facebook that are hurting people. We're, we're processing out loud in an in angry way and biting at people. And, and, and it's a weight and it's a chain that's holding us. So how many of you have ever had the experience of trying to clean up a yard or a property that hasn't been maintained for a while? Um, the, the grass and the weeds have grown tall and... You, perhaps you know what I'm talking about because right now we've had nonstop rain for days and you know you ha we haven't had the opportunity to mow just like what's kind of what looks like in my backyard right now <laughs> but I'm talking about you know the the weeds that have just been left and and unmaintained you know for a long time 
And, you, and it, you, you're given the task of going in with the lawnmower or the weed eater or whatever tools that you have to go in and, and clean it up. It's not a fun job, is it? <laughs> I, I, can, I can remember, uh, I, I remember it was uh, the Destiny Youth Group, Pastor Deanna and I were leading some service projects in Mission, South Dakota. And one of them, one of the tasks that we had and one of our trips that we had was to bring this church property back to life. And I mean, I'm talking about the grass and the weeds were, you know, getting up to my height. And so I, I remember the task at times seemingly being impossible. We had a group of teenagers with us, you know, and we were going through weed whackers. We, the mowers kept on breaking down, um, not being able to handle the weeds that had kind of grown into small trees. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like you have to pull them up from the roots and dig down and get down deep. You know, even just the sea of tall grass, the, the weight of it was too much many times for the mower. And so what should have been an hour project, you know, just run the, the lawnmower and get it done, do the trim, had the yards been maintained, that, that would have been what it, the time and the, the cost and the effort. It took us several days of, of blood, sweat, and tears. And I, if I remember right, I don't even think we finished the, the project before our team had to go back home. Those weeds of those roots had grown deep because someone wasn't able to maintain their yard or hadn't paid attention to them. And so they just let them go. They just let it be, and those weeds did not start like that, right? They didn't start. They started small, and it's significant. No big deal. You can pull them right up, but then it became this uncontrollable mess. And then you've got a big job, right? Then you've got all of a sudden something of weight, something of substance, something that's going to be a job, and we've got to ask God to help us. So if we want freedom from bitterness... Then another place that our freedom starts with, here's another one, it starts with listening. It starts with listening. So your freedom and my freedom starts with listening. It starts with identifying that we have a chain there and really realizing it instead of saying, you know, I kind of like holding on to this. We need to realize it's a chain. It's significant. It has some weight. And then we need to start listening. So let's back, uh, pick it back up in the story. The older brother became angry and he refuses to go into the house. So his father, in verse 28, his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father. Listen to what he says. He said, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, <laughs> who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Can you hear the distaste? Do you hear the, the bitterness? The father surprises everyone by going out to the son when the son has been, honestly, disrespecting him. Yet the father still humbles himself and he goes out. Even going so far, it says, to invite him to come in. You know, I want you here. There's a party. You, got, you should be in here. There's a place for you. We miss you. We want you here. And the son just lets loose and gives his father a piece of his mind. There's a speech that he kind of just had kind of just stewing. The weight of all that bitterness comes just kind of throwing up out of his mouth. And he blows up and he says, look here, dad, you owe me. You owe me. I deserve the fatted calf. I'm the one that deserves that. I've been here the whole time. I've been following your orders. I've been doing what you wanted me to do. I haven't gone and blown all your money. I haven't shamed you or embarrassed you. Why him and not me? Why him? Why him? And those are the phrases that show you that there is a root of bitterness that's now become a forest, that's now become a heavy chain that's holding this older brother back, making him miss the party. I do want to pause and just say, yes, that some of the things that you and I are dealing with, they need a, some very serious dialogue with God. And there's no better place to go with your hurts and your hangups and your frustrations than to God. Go pour out your soul. Cast all your burdens and your anxieties on him, Scripture says, because he cares for you. Have a conversation. Be like J Jacob and wrestle with God. It's, it's not just, you know, a blanket-like answer to God. You know, it's all, it's all easy. You're amazing, God. I'm okay with whatever happens in life because I love you. You know, no, life can hurt. 
Life can hurt and there's, there's things that we have to process through. And even Jesus, in his last moments, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the, the, the older brother, he was talking to his father, but there was no respect there, right? He said his speech, he had his you know, tirade, and he, and he failed to listen. So, but with God, it, it's, it's okay. God's not afraid of your questions. In fact, I would encourage you, as you're journaling, if you're having a tough time processing through something, write out your questions. Just journal them right there along with your, your devotional notes. God's not afraid of your frustrations. You don't have to fake it in front of him. Come to him, but don't forget to listen. Don't forget to let him talk and don't forget to hear what he has to say. As the, this, the older son, he, he wasn't in that mode. He wasn't listening. He came to give his speech and he, he wasn't really listening to what father had to say, right? So we, we are actually really good listeners a lot of times, but we have a tendency to listen to the wrong voices. <laughs> we, we listen to ourselves a lot and that's trouble. <laughs> and we listen to others a lot and, and they can be trouble, right? So if you have somebody just, you know, sitting next to you right now, just say, y'all are trouble. <laughs> no, there are some good voices. We need to have those kind of people in our lives. But come on, let's just be honest uh, this morning. There are a lot of voices that we get from our friends and our coworkers and our, and our culture, or our parents that say, you should be mad. You, you shouldn't get over that. You, you better not forgive her, Right? You know, they, they did stab you in the back, and you need to be angry. And so they're just pouring fuel on the fire, and they're causing that bitterness and that chain to get heavier, to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So we need to listen to the voice of our Heavenly Father. And when we listen, check out what the Father says to his son. The older brother, he comes out mad. He came, he came angry. He came yelling. And the father just kind of just starts speaking tenderly and he says, my son, my daughter, I love you. I know you're mad. I know you're frustrated. I know you're hurt. I know you're struggling. I, I, but I just want you to hear me say, my son, my daughter, you're mine. That's, that's what he says. Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. You're mine. That's what he told his son. Yes, we've been embarrassed. Yes, you know, we've been disgraced. There's, there's been a lot of pain, but let's not spend so much time thinking about, you know, what's happened in the past, what's been taken from us, what's been done to us, we, you know, what's been stolen from us, whatever it is, let's think about what we've got. So if, you've, if you want to get over your bitterness... And if you want to see the freedom of God come into your life, then we have to stop obsessing over what happened to us and thinking about it and dwelling on it because that will just drive us deeper and deeper. And we have to start obsessing on what's been done for us. That's just another way to say what we were saying last week. We cannot keep on going back to the elevator shaft that we, we thought we dropped that thing back into and that we keep on talking about and keep on bringing up and keep on regurgitating. We have to obsess on what he's done for us. We have to start thinking about all that God's done for us, all that we have in him, all that it means to be a son or a daughter of God because here's the thing, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But yet God sent his son to chase after us. And we were, yes, the older brother, but we've also been the younger brother where we've ran away, right? And, and we have a relationship still with God Almighty. And we have the Holy Spirit comforting us, helping us, and leading us. We have forgiveness from our sins and from our past. And we have eternal security no matter what happens. Nothing can separate us from our Father. We have purpose. We can be used by God despite our circumstances for the things that matter most, the things that will last forever. So please don't just obsess and obsess and obsess. And everywhere you go, it's bitterness and anger and frustration. I'm going to talk about it. I want people to know about it. I'm going to try to build my side and I'm going to try to build my case and I'm going to be angry about it. Just be a beloved son or daughter of God. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, right? Be a beloved son or daughter of God and walk around in what? Love. Walk around in it. Think about that. You know, it's, it's 
Father God saying, you know, you've always been with me. You've always been mine. You've always been, a, been my son and my daughter. It's us responding, yeah, God, I've, I always have been. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm with you. You're with me. You've forgiven me. You love me. You're helping me, and you're using me. So think about that. We have a four-year-old son, and he's in the phase where he's having to, to learn a lot in life. A lot of life lessons about sharing and, and temper tantrums and the like. And, and with kids, it's amazing. Um, they have this incredible capacity to fight, like bat at each other, you know, and yell and scream and cry over a toy. But then like 10 seconds later, they're happy, right? And, and dancing and they're loving each other. But as grown-ups, when we get mad, and we're professionals at holding on to things, not, not getting over things, holding on to grudges, but Lazarus, you know, as, as, as one of his parents, you know, uh, I get to have some conversations with him, just like Deanna gets to have some conversations with him. And sometimes, you know, they're very positive. And I'll say, son, I'm, you know, so proud of you. You're doing a great job right now. You're doing a great job with, you know, respecting your mom. She asked you to do something, you know, give me a fist bump. You did it. That's awesome. And then there are times when I'm like, buddy, we need to have a talk. And you're going to have to sit in time out right now. Um, we need to have a talk about how you treated your sister just now, and you need to apologize. And he, nine times out of ten, will say, I'm sorry. And, you know, like, give you a hug, and, and I love you. But, you know, we're teaching them at a young age, right? It's, it's important, right? So Heavenly Father is saying the same thing to you and to me this morning. I get it. You're hurt. You feel like you've been wronged. You're mad. You're frustrated. He gets it. Jesus has been hurt. He's been mad. He's been frustrated and disappointed. He knows what it's like. But God is saying, look at me. Look at me, Lazarus, right? <laughs> look at me, son. Look at me, daughter. We need to have a talk. You're my son. You're my daughter. I don't care what happens, nothing's changing that. You are my son, and you're my daughter. It doesn't matter what's, what's happened. Something better has been done for you than what's happened in your past. So just keep looking at me, and I want to bring you freedom. I want to bring you fullness of life. I want to give you a better way to live. Our freedom starts with listening to Father God. In this whole series, we've been talking about prayer and fasting. The first message was about a miracle that only happened with prayer and with fasting. Prayer, we've been saying, is leaning towards God and listening to what he says about us. Listening. And fasting is just leaning away from the world. And, and that's the same thing that's happening here. We need to lean towards God and listen. And we need to lean away from the voice of the world that are, that's only going to tell us to hold on to bitterness. And so what's fascinating in this story um, is that Jesus didn't finish the story. Um, the father says, this is at the end, it says, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost and is now found. Turn the page, Luke 16, verse 1, and we're on to a different story. So what happened? It's like, finish it. Did Luke just fall asleep in the middle of the story so he didn't finish it? I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, what, you know did, he didn't want it to be you know, inaccurate, so he's just like, I'm going to go on to the next story. I forgot how it ended. I, I, you know, it's curious. But what we do know is that the son was outside. The party was going on inside. The father comes out, and he talks to the son, and he tells him what he needs to hear. He tells him what he needs to hear, and he tells him what's true about him that he had forgotten, and he invites him back inside to the party and offers the older brother the same grace that the younger brother got. And then the son had a choice. The father gives the older son the power to choose. Do you want to stay outside and be mad? Do you want to hold on? Do you want to just be angry? Wait for vengeance, wait for revenge, wait for a time for your brother to finally come back to apologize to you, for the people to say, oh, we were wrong for throwing the party or to kick the brother back out of the house. <laughs> no. 
That wasn't the key that was going to unlock the chain of bitterness in the older brother's life. The father gave him the key, though. And the father's giving you the key. And that key is called forgiveness. Forgiveness. You choosing to forgive is the key that can unlock the chain and the grip that the enemy has over your life. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul tells the Ephesians, get rid of all bitterness. How much? All. (laughs) Not just certain bitterness, not just certain things to get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. And then here's how we do it. Forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgiven us. So our ability to forgive is actually not even fully based on our own ability. It's when we set our mind on the fact that Christ has forgiven us, right? It's, it's actually when you keep on reading, we've, we've preached into this before, when you keep on reading in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it's being a son or daughter of, being a beloved son or daughter of God, right? And just walking around in that, knowing who we are. And it's, his love is inexhaustible for us. There's no limits to his forgiveness, then we can share that with other people. So we, when we get in touch with God's forgiveness for ourselves, then we're willing and able to offer that to others. Matthew chapter 18. Peter, if you know much about Peter. Oops, I just took off my microphone. <laughs> See, change just caused all sorts of problems. <laughs> I'm going to break this chain in my life right now. I'm trying to anyways, but it is holding on to me. Okay, that's not going to work. Give me just a second. Um. Be gone. (laughs) Okay. So Peter, if you know much about Peter, he spoke before he thought, which is a really a dangerous thing to do, right? He was the loud mouth. He would yell things out. And then he would have to retract those statements. But Peter, there's a moment when he knew that Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, pray that God would forgive you as we in turn forgive those who have sinned against us, right? That we should love our enemies. We should feed them a meal. We should give them something to drink when they're thirsty. So Peter speaks up and he says, Jesus, I know you're talking about forgiveness. How many times should we forgive somebody who sins against us? What's the limit? And he kind of, you know, gives the answer, his, he, his projection. He says, is it seven? And, and he, was, he was trying to show off. He was trying to impress Jesus with, you know, like the right answer or maybe even a better than right answer. He was trying to get applause, you know, like, Peter, man, that's pretty great. That's impressive. You know, most jokers would have said two or three, but seven, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And scholars guess the reason that Peter said seven is because it's the full number in the culture, the perfect number. And maybe he thought that would be like full forgiveness or completed forgiveness. And Jesus responds and he says, actually, It's 70 times seven, or or some translations say 77. Either way, what Jesus was trying to say was there should be no limit to your desire and your willingness to forgive. Because there was no limit to my ability and my desire to forgive you. And so what you have received now you freely share yes you've been wronged yes you've been hurt and yes it could happen again i'm not saying that you shouldn't put up boundaries that you should just let people walk all over you but i am saying because jesus is saying this too we have been given the key to our freedom and it's called forgiveness and it's and it's not in our own strength and power But it's by us setting our mind on the fact that we have been forgiven. And there was no limit to God's forgiveness towards us. So we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. We've all turned our backs and gone astray. So what do you need to forgive? Who? You know, I I believe that one of the most holy God-honoring things that can happen after this gathering is yes, you know, we sang this morning, we we prayed, we read his word, and, and all of that honors God. 
But what may honor him even more this morning is if you have a conversation with somebody you know that you need to have a conversation with. And yes, we can forgive in our heart. Um, we can tell other people around us that, you know, we're going to forgive. But when you speak it out to a person, hey, there is some wrong in our situation. And you might even, not even think you wronged me. But I just want you to know I, I, I was kind of walking with this hurt. And I'm just releasing you. I'm forgiving you from that. Or maybe I was, I'm asking God to help me forgive you because I, I don't want to be robbed anymore. You know, you, you might have taken something from me in the past, but I'm not going to let it rob me from my future. And so I'm releasing you today. I'm not going to punish you even more. I'm, I'm releasing you from that. Let's, let's get it out. Let's get it in the air. I'm not saying, what I am saying this morning is we're good. And, and because Christ has forgiven me and he's forgiven me, you know, as, as, Many times as I can count, it's innumerable, and I'm releasing you. So maybe one of the things that you need to do leaving this gathering, leaving this um, time online this morning is to set up a Zoom call or, or call somebody or, you know, start the conversation with a text and apologize. You, you may not even be the one that needs to forgive. You're the one that needs forgiveness, and it's not time to settle accounts. It's not time to you know, have a list of things. You did this, and you were wrong, and I was right, and here's my case, and you know, <laughs> you know you're, you're, you're not going in expecting anything, an apology in return. You just say, I'm sorry. Whatever you did, and it may have, may have been intentional, it may have been unintentional, it may have been high stakes and life-shaping, or it could have been something as small as a, as a harmful or, or discouraging word, which in reality, you know, doesn't seem small when you're on the receiving end of it, right? But whatever it was, it hurt somebody, and it's because a chain, and it's, it's become a chain on your life, it's become a chain on their life, but if you would just be willing to say, I'm sorry, that's what Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before you the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. He said, this is so important. Do it before you even enter in the house of God and you, you uh, come to a place of giving. Do it before. I'm going to leave it at this. I've been asking God, you know, all this week, last couple weeks, I've been praying into this, asking God for a spirit of reconciliation to be on our house, that we as believers would not be known by hate and not be known by grudges and not be known by bitterness, but that we would be known by the desire and the capacity and the willingness to reconcile with people and to love people. That's what the church should be, right? We should be walking in love. Now, I've seen it. And you've seen it, I've experienced it, and maybe you've experienced it, the conversation that is playing out now very publicly and heatedly between the two large fractions of our society, the conversation that is happening, those that are ready you know, to, to open everything up and quit all this quarantine stuff, and those that are wanting to be cautious and careful and, and following health regulations and guidelines. And if you start introducing into the conversation things like face masks or canceling events, or vaccines, or any number of other things into the conversation. We see people, followers of Jesus, lashing out at each other, name-calling, taking sides, and pointing fingers with anger. It's almost as if there's something deeper going on there. When that kind of stuff happens, it brings disunity and it brings separation, and it pulls people apart and leaves a big divide in the gap. One of my friends from afar, her name is Jody, and she's a Foursquare church planner that I met in a ministry cohort this last year. Some of you recognize the game, uh, her name because uh, we've been praying for her. Um, she's about my age, and um, COVID-19, she was tested positive um, early on, back, back in, uh, towards the end of March, I believe, and it almost took her out. She's had several trips to the ER over the last two months fighting to breathe, um, and uh, Colorado was hit hard. She's, she's a pastor down in Colorado Springs, a, a planter. But she was also an airline stewardess, and she was working long hours over time, uh, over time that was uh, you know, flying around the country into March, just before everything kind of shut down. Anyhow, she's a, very, she's a straight shooter, and I appreciate um, her passionate concern for the church. And I want to read you something that Pastor Jody wrote on social media earlier this week, and I quote, 
I've had to take a couple of days away from social media. The hate, divisiveness, and polarization has just been too much. You guys know I'm not one to mince words, so I'm just going to shoot it straight. Many of my fellow Christians are, by far, the guiltiest of this. Please explain to me how calling people stupid, libtards, sheeple, or any other colorful words I've seen come across the screen, please tell me how this brings life or exudes the love of the Father. I've always said that the church should be influencing society instead of society influencing the church. We are influencing society, that's for sure, but not in a way that glorifies God when we do this. Ray, her husband, Ray said to me the other day, why would anybody want to be a part of the church when we look just like the world? It broke my heart, and I know it's breaking God's. Emotions are raw right now, but scripture says that the tongue holds the power of life and death. So please, before you type or speak, ask yourself if it's more important to be right or produce life. Politics and pandemics are not an excuse for us to stop being Christ-like. As a matter of fact, it is more of a reason than ever to exude who he is through us. It doesn't matter if we're Republicans, Democrats, or Independents, because above all, we are the Ecclesia. We, it's time to start acting like it. Always choose life. Pastor Patricia Messer, our outreach pastor here at Destiny, challenged us in her daily devo this week. If you haven't been watching, I'd encourage you to, to check out all the daily devos that come out Monday through Friday. Um, they get posted to our Facebook page every weekday at uh, 6.15 a.m. She was reading out of 1 John 4 this week where it talks about abiding in love, that we are to camp out and to walk around and, and dwell constantly in the love of the Father. And when we do that, it changes our whole perspective. It's not us against them. It is always us for them. Patricia closed by talking about the pandemic and how quickly fears spread around the planet like a virus, but how much more powerful love is. There is none greater. God is love, right? We read in scriptures, and Patricia challenged us to abide in that love and use the hashtag love wins this week whenever we witness love in action. Love always wins. And we've been challenging the church for almost two months now, too, on the two and two for hope challenge. Simple reminder to take two minutes of every day and ask God how you can reach out to two people with a message of hope, love, and encouragement or kindness. That's the kind of spread that the church wants to be known for, that we'd be far less concerned about being right and more about the Father's heart of being a light. So remember this. When we get angry or bitter, when we're on edge because bitterness has been taking root in our spirit, when we feel like we've got to push our case, we've got to, and we push our case by, by demeaning or name-calling or shaming or pointing at the other person that are doing the things that we don't think, that we don't agree with, the brother had a choice, and you have a choice. And I think we all know that the enemy would be really happy and he would just love to just leave us stewing and bitter right where we're at. He'd be happy to see you and I to just stay outside of the party where the grace of God is and it's being celebrated. Where people that were lost are now found, those that were thought to be dead are now alive, not getting what they deserve, but getting what they didn't deserve. The enemy would be really happy if you were to just to say, nope, I'm saved, I've got my salvation, I'm going to heaven, and I just don't care if anybody else gets it. I've got grace, I need grace, but I'm going to work it out in my own way now and do my own thing. And it's all about getting what you deserve, what God owes you, how God should bless you, and we don't think about others around us. And we fuse to celebrate the grace of God that is for every single one of us. The enemy would be really happy if this church, if the church, if believers were people that stood outside from afar, judging, critical, and full of anger. That when the day comes, when we open these doors up, that we have people that are slandering those, that 
choose to stay home or saying awful things about those who choose to wear masks or saying that someone is stupid because they're practicing social distancing, that someone is walking in fear or lacking in faith. It's just like the brother saying, fathers shouldn't be celebrating my brother. God shouldn't be welcoming them back. God shouldn't be using them and there definitely shouldn't be any party. Listen, the, the servants, the family, the younger brother were all at the father's party. It was the older brother that missed out. What are you missing out on? What are we missing out on, church? Because of your anger, because of my anger, because of your pride, because of my pride, because of your grudge, because of my grudge, what are we missing out on? We're missing out on the freedom that God wants for us. I want you to turn as we close to Matthew chapter 1. I'm, I'm sure you've all been doing your devotionals in this chapter, but the heading of, in my Bible says the genealogy of Jesus. And you're like, Sean, this is supposed to be the close. Well, I'm going to buzz right through this. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abinadab, Abinadab the, the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Skip down a few verses. Of whom was born Jesus, who is called Messiah. Did you see that? I'm going to go back. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. The same daughter-in-law who lost her husband. Her mom was Naomi who lost everything, who was so mad and so hurt she had changed her name to bitter. Everyone knew she was bitter, but yet she hung in there and she held tight and she was loyal to Ruth and she advised Ruth and she helped Ruth and she took Ruth under her wing and she was used for the purpose of God. She listened. She listened she made it through, and she let go of her need to be right, of her need to get what was owed to her. And then right there, she's in the genealogy, not of just David, but of Jesus. So if you don't believe that God can take what's bad and turn it for good, just take a look at Naomi. You think that the enemy's robbed from you? Maybe he has, but God can turn it for good and you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Naomi, through her daughter Ruth, is in the genealogy of Jesus. Whose story are you going to be a part of? And what celebration are you going to be a part of? And how is God going to use your hurt and your pain and your bitterness? And he will break you free from all of that and then use you and your future to bring salvation and to bring reconciliation and to bring redemption, to bring freedom to all the people that you interact with. It's time to walk forward and not keep on looking backwards. It's time to walk free. It's time to walk fearless. That's the freedom plan that God has for you. Amen. Amen. Pastor Derek, he's going to close. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. I don't know if you guys uh, can realize everything that just happened, and uh, I'm not going to talk about what we just experienced right now, but uh, maybe we will on Tuesday at lunch with us at uh, noon. Uh, join us on Facebook for that. But um, You know, I think, I think a lot of what we were just talking about, what, what Pastor Sean was bringing a lot of the, the turmoil that we're seeing between Christians right now comes from the idea that uh, if I were you, I would do it better. I would do it different. It would be right. There's this thing that I talk about uh, with the youth very often uh, because it's kind of really important that we understand how God sees us uh, as individuals. And uh, the fact of the if I were you statement is... If I was you, I would have your background, I would have your history, I would have your knowledge, and I would have done the exact same thing that you have done. I would choose the exact same thing that you have chosen, 
And the reality is we are not different. I am not better than you. You are not better than me. And when God stands above, as a father does, not above like distant from us, but when a father looks down at his children because he's taller than them and he's looking down into their lives and the children are, are squabbling and fighting, he doesn't see one who is right and one who is wrong. He sees children that are the same, that should be loving and not fighting. So when you're thinking, if I was you, if I were you, remember that you would have made the exact same choice that they made because you would have had the same history, the same knowledge, the same background. Pastor Sean started us off this morning with Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Said, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil. Sorry, as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. See, if we're the same, and I would have made the same choices, and if you were me, you would have made the same choices I made. Then Jesus' forgiveness for each one of us really is equal. So forgiving one another just as, uh, as God through Christ has forgiven you. I did a quick search because I knew there was something about bitterness that I had forgotten. Like I knew it, but I couldn't remember what it was. So I just did a quick, a quick search um, about food. Uh, and, and, and basically I was at, I, I, it's just what counteracts bitterness? Like if my food is too bitter, what do I do? You know what, the, uh, you know what that is? You know what you do if, if your food's too bitter? I think some of you probably know. You add salt. Matthew 5.13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. He went on to say, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No, it'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Christians who behave like the world aren't doing their job. Guys, I'm not here to slap you. I don't want it to sound like that. I don't want it to feel like that. But I want us to understand the gravity of where we're moving and what we're doing and what we're stepping into right now. I want to take a minute, and uh, like always, I'm going to pray for two groups of people. I'm going to pray for those of us, and, and, and it's all of us, guys. It doesn't matter how long you've been with Jesus, where you are in the journey. It doesn't matter if you're a new Christian, an old Christian, or if you haven't even become a Christian yet. It doesn't matter where you are in that journey. Bitterness is something that has to be constantly broken off. Because every time there's an opportunity forgiveness, for forgiveness, there's an opportunity for bitterness to take hold. So no matter where you are, I want to pray for you today for bitterness to be broken, and for your calling, for our calling as those who should remove bitterness from this earth and bring depth of flavor to the world that Christ has put us in the midst of would be realized. And then the other group is, is those of you that uh, maybe haven't begun your journey with Christ and uh, you know maybe you've been hesitant to or, or maybe it's a whole new discussion, but uh, today's an opportunity. You know, Pastor Sean brought in a, a word and a picture of who... Christians should be, who Christ followers should be, what the people who, who follow Christ and say, he's our guy, what those people should look like. And if that inspired you, if that lit something up on the inside of you and, and you're like, I want to follow that guy, uh, today's the day. Today's the day for you to, uh, to, to, to pray and, and uh, become a follower of Christ. And the prayer isn't some kind of like magic spell that suddenly makes you, you know, great or whatever. The prayer is simply putting words to what your heart is doing. That's all it is. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a verbal um, uh, outcry of, of what's happening inside of your heart. So, um, God, I pray for everyone within earshot of this, of this message. God, I pray that you would break the roots of bitterness, the chains of bitterness off of our lives. God, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice calling us forward and calling us out and calling us to forgive what's been done for us, what's been done to us, what, what, what we've experienced, God. I pray that you would help us to realize that, yeah, people have done really terrible things to some of us. Some of us have experienced really terrible things, God. We know that. But when we, help us to realize that when we live in unforgiveness, that bitterness continues to harm us far beyond the initial hurt. 
So God, I pray today you would break off all of that bitterness and you would help us to learn to forgive and learn to walk in forgiveness. God, Jesus, as your mercy is new every day, as your grace is new every morning, so should our forgiveness for those around us be. Because those who have been forgiven much should forgive much. And for, the, for, the, for those of you that uh, are wanting to uh, begin your life following Christ and you're, you're wanting to uh, step into the journey with him, uh, pray after me. God, I thank you so much for what you've done for me. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross and rising back to life. Today, I step into my journey with you. I want to walk with you, and I want to experience life with you, and I want to experience your forgiveness so that I can, ex so that I can forgive others the way that you would have me forgive. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you guys just prayed that prayer for the first time, um, we're going to put a link up in the, uh, in the chat section in just a moment. Uh, we would love to hear from you and help you kind of take the first steps into that journey. Um, everybody else, let's go out and walk in forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Go out and give them heaven.